pray if the children will come down. We'll have a short little children's time. Ooh, it's a big drop. It's too close. Well, good morning, guys. Well, here comes some more. Hurry, come on. Good. Well, I know some of your faces from uh, camp this summer, and some of your faces from Bible school this summer, and some of your faces just because I know your mom and dad. So I am so glad that y'all are here with me today. Um, I have a book to read, but we need to talk just a little bit first. Um, Pastor Valerie is going to uh, talk in just a few minutes to us about uh, um, being ambassadors for Christ. Now, that sounds pretty hard, I think. Do you think? Sounds like a lot. I bet Casey can do it easily. Um, She's also going to talk to us about inspiring hope. And that is one of the ways that we can inspire hope in others is by being ambassadors for Christ. Okay? That's a lot of stuff, so we're going to have to kind of unpack that a little bit. Um, here, well, this hope word, too, I, is, to me, a very powerful word. It's kind of like wishing. You know, you, you wish um, uh, mom would make chocolate cake for supper, or you might wish for something for your birthday. Okay? And so hope is kind of like that, but it's a much more powerful word. And here's a good example. Now, you might say, uh, my friend talked to, my te- to her teacher about her spelling test. So you kind of have a little picture in your head. Your fr- kids talk to their teacher all the time, don't they? But what if she said, my friend screamed at her teacher about her spelling test? Do you have a different picture in your head now? A little bit bigger picture of what happened? And we don't know if she was screaming because she got her bad grade. We don't know if she's screaming with joy because maybe she made such a good grade. But you have a different idea. That's a more powerful word. Do you see what I mean by that? So um, then we need to be use hope and, and, and inspire hope in others and be ambassadors for Christ. Now the way that we can do this, you remember when Caroline brought the bucket the other day and showed the things that we put in the buckets? Well, we took those buckets from our church to a church in Houston, and they used those things. So that inspired hope in those people that we cared. God moved us to bring those things to them so that they could start cleaning up their house. Does that make sense? Okay, so we were ambassadors for Christ in that way. Can you also just be an ambassador for Christ when you're at school by being nice to your friends and showing them the things that you learn at church? I think that's true. Well, think about some of those things, and we're going to read this book, and we're going to think a little bit about being hopeful and being hopeless in this book. Now, this story, I'm going to try to read this without my glasses. We'll see how that goes. The name of this story is A Tale of Two Beasts. Now, I want you to look closely at the pictures as I'm reading. Does she look like a beast? No. Does he look like a beast? No. Um, I thought he was a squirrel at first, but if you look at him, he's got a strappity tail, and he's got sharp teeth. And I don't think squirrels, I don't think they have teeth like that. So I don't know what kind of little animal this is, but we'll see. It's like a raccoon. It did look a little like a raccoon, and that may be exactly it. 
Uh-oh, there's my watch. All right, she says, I was walking home from Grandma's house through the deep, dark woods when I spied a strange little beast. He was stuck up a tree and whining sadly. And he goes, beep, beep. Do you? We really don't know. They don't tell us. So she sees this little animal, and she thinks he's sad. So I decided to rescue him. I will call you Fang, I told him. And I wrapped him warmly up in my scarf and carried him safely home. I gave him a lovely bath and a gorgeous new hat and sweater and delicious bowl of fresh nuts. Look at his face. Is he having fun? I don't think he is. I think he's kind of feeling scared. I think she's full of hope. What do you think she's hoping? Yeah, yeah, she's hoping that he'll be her friend. I made him a beautiful house and gave him Rex to play with. I took him out for lots of long walks to keep him fit and healthy, and I showed him off to all my friends and loved him nearly as much as I did. Now look, those of you that are close, can you see his face? Is it changing color a little bit? It's getting a little bit red. I think he's feeling a little uncomfortable. But for some strange reason, the little beast did not look very happy. In fact, he was looking rather hot. I hope he's not sick, I thought. And I opened the window to cool him down. But then something terrible happened. I think he did. You think now he's got some hope that he can get away? He threw off his clothes and leapt out the window and ran away as fast as he could back to the deep, dark woods. Do you think he might have felt differently if she had thought about the way that he was feeling some of the time? If she had thought about what he might like to do instead of what she would like to do? We don't know. We'll have to see. I wanted to go and look for for him, but Mama had other plans. Dinner time, bath time, bedtime. I couldn't sleep. I missed the little beast and wondered if I would ever see him again. Now, I don't know about you, but Miss Allman gets a little hopeless sometimes at night. You see? When I get in the bed, that's kind of the time that I start worrying about things. And the thing that works best for me is to say a little prayer and ask God to make me hopeful instead of hopeless. And sometimes I can feel a lot better. All all the time I can feel a lot better. But then a small furry shadow appeared at the foot of my bed. The strange little beast had returned. He seemed quite pleased to see me. And I began to think that maybe, just maybe, it wasn't that strange after all. I wonder why he came back. Okay, now this story is a compare and a contrast story. I don't know if y'all are old enough yet, but that's a word you're going to use in school a lot. And all it means is we're going to look at the way these two things are the same and we're going to look at the way they're different, okay? So now we're going to think about the little beast side of the story. Do you think it'll be very different? I bet. Same picture. I was hanging from my favorite tree 
singing happily to the birds. And look, he says, tra-la-la, tra-la-la. She thought he was uh, sad, didn't she, and scared. He thought he was happy and singing with the birds. When I was ambushed by a terrible beast. So his idea is that she is the beast. She growled at me and tied me up and carried me off to her secret lair. That lair is kind of like a home. Yeah. She made me disgustingly clean and dressed me up in a ridiculous hat and sweater and tried to make me eat squirrel food. She kept me in a tiny box with nothing for me to do and nowhere for me to hang upside down. She did not think about what he liked, did she? That's right. She made me walk backwards and forwards and backwards again for no reason whatsoever. Remember, this was when his face started getting red. She showed me off to a herd of even wilder beasts who were just as terrible as she was. I had had enough. I made a cunning plan and put it straight into action. And he says, A to B equals freedom. And he's going to jump out the window. Free once more. I raced back to the deep dark woods before the terrible beast could catch me. All right. Now I think this person, this little animal has got hope. Don't you? But she is not very hopeful, is she? Yeah, that's right. It was peaceful in the deep, dark woods. Look at his little smile. He's pretty happy. But then, it was a bit too peaceful, perhaps. And he was bothered by the silence. And also a bit wet. Can you see it raining? In weather like this, one could do with a nice, warm hat. I snuck back to retrieve it under cover of darkness. The terrible beast was waiting for me. She seemed quite pleased to see me. And I began to think that maybe, just maybe, she wasn't that terrible after all. So did they learn from each other that people may be different, but they can, but they have things? If you look at their, the way they're feeling sometimes... You can really understand better because somebody might have a different language. They might have a different color uh, to their skin. Their clothes might be different. So if we're at school and we look for the people that need uh, God's love, we can always share hope and God's love with them, can't we? Okay? All right. If you will pray with me. Ready? Dear Lord, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for this church where we can worship you. Help me to be loving and good to all my friends at school and to be an ambassador of hope for Christ. Amen. Okay. Thank you, guys.
Thank you so much, Janie. That's a wonderful story. Pastor Caroline is at Camp Bible, or perhaps on her way back now with some of our children who have been at Bridgeport over the weekend, learning about their Bibles and having good time together. And so we hold them in our prayers, but it is wonderful to be able to have folks like Janie who can do children's time so ably and beautifully. We are closing off our series today that is looking at our new mission statement that's printed at the top of your bulletin. We are cultivating Christian community by loving God, living faith, serving people, and inspiring hope. And we're talking about not just hope today, but inspiring hope. And so I hope that you have the words from Revelation ringing in your ears that we heard Ann Tickner read. And we are also going to hear these words from 2 Corinthians. We are in chapter 5 beginning at verse 16. Listen for the word of God. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view... We know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. Inspiring hope. Inspiring hope. As we consider that this morning, we're going to begin, though, in another place. Because it seems to me to be hopeful and then to be people who inspire hope, we need to consider where we are. Where we are in our country, where we are in our culture where we are in our state, where we are in our communities. In other words, trying to describe the soup that we're swimming in. And I found this week an arresting description of what our lives are like, many of us. These are words from Max Lucado. And he says, it's a low-grade fear. An edginess, a dread, a cold wind that won't stop howling. It's not so much a storm as the certainty that one is coming. 
always coming. Sunny days are just an interlude. You can't relax, can't let your guard down. All peace is temporary and short-term. It's not the sight of a grizzly, but the suspicion of one or two or ten behind every tree. Beyond every turn, inevitable. It's just a matter of time until the grizzly leaps out of the shadows, bears its fangs, and gobbles you up, along with your family, your friends, your bank account, your pets, and your country. There's trouble out there. So you don't sleep well. You don't laugh often. You don't enjoy the sun. You don't whistle as you walk. And when others do... You give them a look, that look, that are you naive look. You may even give them a word. Haven't you read the news and heard the reports and seen the studies? Airplanes fall out of the sky, bull markets go bare, terrorists terrorize, good people turn bad, the other shoe will drop, fine print will be found, misfortune lurks out there. It's just a matter of time. He is describing, of course, anxiety. And there are people who live with anxiety disorders, who struggle with this on a very real basis. But I think as far as our culture goes, it is also the suit that we swim in. In some ways, the news panders to our anxiety. We worry that the worst catastrophe ever is going to happen. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my! In such a climate as this, how and how do we become people of hope and where do we find hope? And the thing is, we are living right now with communities, with loved ones who are struggling with hurricanes and the damage from them, where do we find hope? And then, not only where do we find it, how do we inspire hope when we are living and breathing tension and anxiety? I want to share these words with you as well, too. When I heard them, uh, I heard them read on the radio, I got a bit misty-eyed. So let me share them with you. It says, to our friends in Texas, 12 years ago you took in hundreds of thousands of us. You opened your homes, closets, and kitchens. You found schools for our kids and jobs to tide us over. Some of us are still there. And when the rest of the world told us not to rebuild, you told us not to listen. Keep our city and traditions alive. Now, no two storms are the same. Comparing rising waters is a waste of energy when you need it most. But know this, 
In our darkest hour, we found peace and a scorching bright light of hope with our friends in Texas. And we hope you'll find the same in us. Our doors are open. Our clothes come in every size. There's hot food on the stove and our cabinets are well stocked. We promise to always share what we have. Soon, home will feel like home again, even if it seems like a lifetime away. We'll be battling for football recruits under the Friday night lights. You'll tell us to stop trying to barbecue and we'll tell you to lay off your crawfish boil and come have the real thing. But for as long as you need, we're here to help. The way of life you love will you love the most will carry on. You taught us that. Your courage and care continues to inspire our whole city. We couldn't be more proud to call you our neighbors, our friends, and our family. Texas forever. We're with you. New Orleans. Words of hope that have arisen out of catastrophe. (laughs) Lest we get carried away with those words, these words were commissioned by a New Orleans tourist board (laughs) who who hired a New Orleans native who works for a New York ad company to write these words. My cynicism is showing, I'm sorry. (laughs) Nevertheless, if an ad agency can come up with these words, how much more the people of God? How much more the people of God? Our narrative, our story as Christians revolves around the worst of the worst a crucified Savior who experienced death to the worst extent possible. Abused, executed. But the thing is, for God, that is not the last word. God says it doesn't stop there because I am God and death is not going to have the last word. And so... The one we call Lord and Savior, this wandering rabbi from Nazareth, he did not only die, but was resurrected. And through his resurrection, imparted love and hope to all of those who encountered him, either in life or through the resurrected life of Christ. A movement from anxiety and hopelessness to worst-case scenarioizing, catastrophizing, and awfulizing to hope and to being a people that because that is the hope that we have received, the hope on which we place our own hope, that we come to be called to do the work of inspiring hope because of him. Paul writes about this in these words from 2 Corinthians. He says, We now no longer see humans 
through a human point of view. We don't see others that way. The Greek word, katasarka. We don't see others according to the flesh. We knew Christ in that way at one time, but we don't see him that way. And because we don't see him that way anymore, then no one else is viewed that way. We are called to see others the way Christ sees them. And not only that, we are called to be ambassadors for this Christ and to do the work of reconciliation, the very same work that God has done and is doing and will do. And Paul says this reconciling work, this is the reconciling of the entire cosmos, everything that has been created or will be created God is reconciling all of that, bringing all of that into God's own self. And it is stunning and shocking in some ways to think that God calls us to that very work. It's humbling when you think of it, really. That we have been... Trusted and invested in and called to say, you know what? God's world is more than just grizzlies behind every tree. God's world is a world in which God continually repairs, heals, calls and uses us to do that very same work. We are not only people with hope because of what God has done, we are people who inspire hope by the work we do, whether it's flood buckets full of love, whether it's hygiene kits, whether it's children on that second floor Monday through Friday and on Sunday morning, whether it's children at Camp Bible learning that God loves them and calls them to this very work, whether it's youth who offer their beautiful singing voices on Sunday mornings, whether it's inviting people from the Richardson Mosque here to learn that, yes, we want to be in relationship with them to do God's good work, or whether it's going over there, because we do not see others, katasarka. We do not see others according to the flesh because God doesn't see us that way. We don't see Christ that way. We see the world with a resurrection lens, a world in which God will wipe away every tear, a world in which God dwells with God's own people. My friends, that is something that inspires hope. Let us share that hope. Amen. Amen.